Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And I'm curious, what has you most angry this week? Uh, NBC giving Trump an hour to talk at the same time as Joe Biden rewarding his, uh, his avoiding of the debate, which the American voters actually deserve. Um, or Amy Covid Barrett refusing to answer all kinds of important questions, or Trump's lack of any actual argument as to why he should be reelected, or the Covid madness where Trump is acting like everything is fine. I beat it. Don't let it dominate your lives. Let's move on. Don't worry about what's actually going on with my health. Full steam ahead. I may be on a drug that makes me psychotic and think that I could actually climb Mount Everest when I can't, but let's go. Oh, it's like, what is that Christmas carol, a partridge in a pear tree? You know, Mm -hmm. it's just hard to pick from all of those (laughs) fucking things. uh, Which one is making me more infuriated? I don't know. I think that it's probably a combination of Amy Coney Barrett's um, stupid face uh, and her avoidance of questions and her even tone about how she's going to rip away health care and about how she, you know, doesn't believe in a woman's right to choose because she had five kids and adopted two. And, you know, so why can't every woman do that? I don't know um, which of those things, the president dancing or whatever the fuck that was that he did oh on the God. stage the other day, um, you know, dancing essentially on the graves, not just of just this Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right. but of the right. over 215,000 Americans that are dead that he doesn't give a fuck about because, you know, turn the right. corner um, and thank God for COVID. Uh, so I'm sure that those 215,000 families feel amazing that the president of the United States is so gleeful about his COVID diagnosis as they are figuring out how to pick up the pieces of their lives and move on after burying their loved ones via Zoom. So, he, yeah. If he had actually done his job and 
combated coronavirus in an active way, just be honestly trying to fight against it rather than to constantly pretend nothing to see here, nothing to see here, he might have been reelected. But now we have a situation where Senate Republicans don't want to consider a stimulus bill because they expect Trump will lose. And a stimulus bill would help President Biden, right, especially at the beginning of his term. So they would rather you, American voter, suffer without the necessary needed stimulus rather than help Biden one iota, which is disgusting. But it's the kind of craven politics that they have been playing throughout the McConnell era. And I am drowning in the hypocrisy of the rush to confirm Amy Covid Barrett while Merrick Garland yeah. is sitting there going, y'all don't see me, right? Y- y'all don't see me? I'm, they don't see me, right? Because like, <laughs> I was too soon. They couldn't confirm me because it was oh, 300 shit. days until the election. But this is three minutes the election and we got to rush and deal with Amy Covid Barrett. Merrick Garland's got to be like, Y'all see me, right? Like, I'm right here, right? Like, y'all don't see me? Because he couldn't be confirmed with 300-plus days to go. And this rush express train to confirm her with 10 minutes to go before the election, people are already voting. So whatever argument... I mean, you know, the the anti-American pro-power hypocrisy that history has to attend to Mitch McConnell should be discussed. And all the anger that we have toward Trump, we should train even more of it toward Mitch McConnell because he has been a significantly evil figure in terms of the destruction of democratic norms in this era. You know, what I think that Democrats really need to learn, they need to learn a lesson from this time. The lesson here is that when you have power, you go fucking ham, right? When you have power, you don't wait for permission. You don't look for collaboration. You just, you look 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road, the way that Republicans have been doing. We sit around and we say- You want to beat them? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And here's the reason why. Because- Plessy versus Ferguson and Brown versus the Board of Education and Oberfeld and all of these Supreme Court cases that folks like to believe are settled law are not fucking settled law. And they're not settled law because Democrats don't do a good job in talking about the courts and the importance of the courts and court packing, that they all just sat around and allowed Mitch McConnell to thwart our democracy, to upend the executive, the executive power of the executive branch as long as it was was being occupied by a black man. Look, at the end of the day, this is about power. And if you want equity and justice, then you have to fucking fight for it and not ask for permission the way that Democrats do or ask for collaboration from the KKK in the hopes that they're going to give it to you. Power is not granted. It is taken. And that is the lesson that Democrats need to know, learn and understand and embody and embed in their DNA now and moving forward. I want a stronger, tougher Democratic Party. I want more of a spine. I am with you in terms of we are bringing 
a peace flag to the fight where Republicans are bringing a gun and a, you know, and a bomb and saying, I'll just blow up the whole building if you don't give me what I want. I get that. I don't know if I want to turn into the blue version of the GOP. I want justice. And I think adding to the Supreme Court is justice. I think adding, say, Puerto Rico and D.C. as states that are able to vote, restoring some balance to this country, uh, those are those are justice moves, right? Those are not gangster moves. Those are making the country be what it should be. But I don't want to be part of a of a blue side that does the same crap that they do, that that mistreats the country and its tradition and its democracy the way that they do. Because I think part of the core of the Democratic Party is that we believe that government can solve problems. And we believe that government is valuable in the use of solving Americans' problems. Republicans are like, I'll just blow it up. Republicans are, you know, in King Solomon's time, the mom who's like, sure, rip up the baby. I don't care. And I don't want to be the other mom who's like, sure, go for it. I, I like being the mom who's like, no, preserve the baby at all cost. Even if she's raising the baby, fine. I, I don't want to be as disgusting and craving. I don't know if I would be able to support that. I don't think that, look, I think that you were looking at the word thug as if it is a negative. I think that you can be an absolute strategic and fucking surgical thug. And that is what <laughs> Democrats are not. Right. You we're, we're you're looking at thug as you like you're, you're looking at what 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 Republicans are doing right now is a smash and grab job. Right. What I'm look what, what I what I what I what I want to see what I what I would have wanted to see. I would have wanted to see Democrats when Barack Obama was president of the United States. I would have wanted them to to mount the amount of legal cases that Donald Trump is mounting to save his own ass. Right. The way that he is using the Department of Justice as his own personal law firm. I would have liked to see Democrats fight tooth and nail for our Constitution. There was not one fucking law case that they brought against Mitch McConnell, against the Senate and what he was doing. There wasn't one bit of maneuvering that they did in order to stop this man or at least do a good enough of a PR job to show the American people how one man and one man alone was stopping them from being able to have Healthcare was stopping them from being able to sue their employer for discrimination, was stopping them from being able to do all of these things. They didn't do that. They sat by and they let this man totally and completely kill our but, democracy. But, That's what they did. But let's say a very reasonable hypothetical. Biden wins. We have a slim majority in the Senate so we can do a lot of things. We are we maintain the House. Very, very reasonable. What do you want to see Democrats do in response to what Republicans have done with the Supreme Court and years of Republicans winning electoral uh, college victories while losing? the? They haven't won a popular vote, I think, since what? The 90s or something? Since the 90s. George, yeah. George W. Bush was only the third president in history not to win the popular vote. 
Right. So, you know, there's something wrong when Republican presidents keep losing the popular vote and winning the Electoral College. Yeah, that's the way the game is currently set up, but it's based on a racist system and it's not based on justice. And it's not based on the way the modern country is set up. When you have a minority of senators controlling what a majority of the people have to live through, the system is broken. So we need to, but what do you want, what do you want to see the Democratic Party do? I assume you are in favor of adding two or three more Supreme Court justices. I assume that you're in favor of like, let's give Puerto Rico a state, let's give DC a state so we can have more Democratic senators, so we can have more Democratic voters. What else do you want? And I don't even think those are gangster or thug moves, right? What else do you want to see the Chuck Schumer led Senate do? First of all, I don't want Chuck Schumer to be the one leading the fucking Senate. So there's that. That aside, that that aside, he's going to be the one. I don't I don't need a, a middle of, of the rotor and, and somebody who has railroaded the Democratic Party in so many different ways. Nonetheless, um, what I would what I would like to see is first. First of all, the 300 judges that Mitch McConnell has been able to put on the federal court, the federal circuit court, I want them challenged, right? Those those are things that are very real. Not even the Bar Association in many of those instances came out in support of those candidates. They are not qualified, right? And they they not only are they not qualified, they should not, based on their ideological preferences, be on the bench at all. So that's one. I want there to be mounted challenges. I want these people to have to defend themselves. The thing with Democrats is that we never re- we never force Republicans to be on the defense. We are we are the ones that are constantly on the defense. So there's that. Two, I want William Barr, I want Donald Trump, I want Stephen Miller, I want every single one of them prosecuted. This is not something that we're going to be able to turn the cheek, turn the corner, sweep under the rug and pretend that the last four years did not happen. There are so many illegalities that they have been a party to that we need to bring out into full air if people are to have faith in their agencies and faith in government again. This is not just about, oh, we're going to win and we hold power for four years or what have you. No, we need to restore the republic that they have broken. And so that looks like putting in measures within the Senate so that one person cannot hold the country hostage for for however long that they want. That is about stacking the courts. That is about examining who exactly Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump put on the bench. That is about going after Donald Trump and William Barr for turning the Department of Justice into their own personal law firm. There are lots of ways in which they should have been able to hold this administration accountable and did not. People could have been thrown in jail for denying subpoenas and they didn't, right? They just were allowed to go about their business as if that's something that is normal. It is not. So a lot of things that Democrats have let slide over the past 12 years, that is the years underneath Obama and the years underneath Trump need to come to an end, right? And so when I say thug, when I say gangster, when I say fight, this is what I'm talking about is using every single tool legally within your toolbox. I'm not saying pull a smash and grab job like the Republicans are doing, but I'm saying stand up and fight for our fucking democracy like warriors, right? And not a bunch of like pansies. That's what I'm saying. This show is part of 
From The New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. The midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us. We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent us, a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now, until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting, and they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. I mean, I, I'm with all of that. I, I don't think that we're going to get the joy of seeing. Uh, it, 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 it makes me just be inside to think about Trump and Barr and Miller and Kushner on trial, arrested, indicted, having to answer for what they did. I, I do think that there should be, because I, don't, I think the Biden team will especially say, we need to move forward in a way that doesn't involve that. But I would like to see this society penalize them and everybody who worked with the Trump campaign the Conways, the Spicers, you know, the the all these Larry Crane, all these people should not be able to just blow back into society and be on TV and be teaching at a university and be a lobbyist and 
be on Dancing with the Stars and do all the post-presidency things that people typically do. I mean, if you're not old enough, you may not realize George Stephanopoulos is, uh, you know, part of the Bill Clinton family, right? Like presidential family. Um, I'm trying to think of who else, like, you know, uh, Mary Madeline and Jim Car- uh, Jim Carville. Like, there are people who, like, you know, have become stars because they're connected to a certain uh, presidential team, and then they become part of society in and of themselves, right? This should not happen for these people. They should be socially and professionally ostracized for the rest of their lives for participating in this immoral, incompetent fiasco of an administration that has, frankly, damaged the country in ways that will take years, if not decades, to undo. But that's my point, is that Democrats always have this strong desire to do what they think is for the betterment of the country. And they think that fighting right, is bad for the country. It's like, you know, parents, right, to go back to your analogy of the baby, it's like parents saying, you know, well, we shouldn't fight in front of the children and we shouldn't do this and we should be about compromise or we're miserable, but let's stay together for the good of the kids. I don't know anybody who turns out well when they grow up in a household with miserable fucking people, right? And it's the same thing. It's the same thing with our democracy. Let's not, let's not, but let's, let's, it could be done, but it's not done well. And I'm sure that somebody will be paying for their therapist bills later on. Like the reality (laughs) is, is that you can have a divide that is healthy. You, but we're not going to turn the page. We're not going to move forward. And these people should not be allowed to your point to adapt back into society without a scarlet T on their chest. We need the Trump trial trials in order to happen the way that the Nuremberg trials happened to begin to rebuild Germany. That is where we are. And Democrats have to understand that because I'm telling you, if they do not, if they roll, if they roll over, if they say this is now behind us, I will fight them tooth and fucking nail and work to literally replace every single person that goes along with this. I will work tirelessly until that Congress is like wiped out because this middle of the road shit cannot stand. Not anymore. Not ever again. I'm also disgusted. I I prefer to lay blame on the people. Trump and his administration, they and McConnell, they are the authors of this. But there are others who are helping them. And the media continues to be an unwitting helper of Trump and his bullshit. And the big headline underneath that banner this week is Trump refused to participate in a debate because they wanted him to be COVID safe. They asked him to do it virtually like everybody else in America is constantly doing everything Zoom, but he can't do that. And the guy can't even work a computer, so no wonder. Um, So he refused. So NBC, Mm -mm -mm. the PICA, came to his rescue, giving him a national town hall at the exact same time as Joe Biden's town hall on ABC. Now, how does this help Americans to have the two presidential contenders have town halls at the exact same time? Why can't it be an hour after? 
Why can't it be the next night? That would be normal. That would be reasonable. That would be like, I'm allowing both people to talk. But again, just as we saw in the first debate, Trump is insisting on interrupting and talking at the same time, literally now, as Joe Biden, which does nothing to help the American people. We can't hear either of you if you're both talking at the same time. And to have, NBC did not have to participate in this. They did not have to agree. They could have said, no, you can go somewhere else. We don't want to be part of this. But no, the desire for the money, because clearly Trump said, I Uh want to be on at the exact same time as him. And NBC said, okay. And they're like, you know, if you don't say yes, we we could take our ball and go to CBS or we could go to Fox. And they'll say yes. So NBC said, okay, we'll do it. And it's disgusting. It's disgusting, especially for somebody who has purposefully delegitimized media over and over for this country, which is another thing that was going to take years and years and years to undo. The Republican Party have been working this game, working the refs for decades. But Trump has done it more maliciously, more insidiously, more disgustingly in a way that it's going to take years and years for us to rescue all these people who refuse to believe in truth and basic media integrity and NBC still like, sure, we'll air you. Unco-. I mean, like, is Savannah Guthrie, who is herself an attorney, is she really going to challenge him and hold him accountable and demand he answer questions and not let him lie in a way that almost no interviewer before her has been able to do? Chris Wallace was a little better yeah. than most with the not- one-on-one <laughs> talk. Not in the debate, but in the one-on-one for Fox. He looked, but I mean, everybody else beca- turns into a. I mean, even I, I think about Megyn Kelly, who thought Why? her interview with Trump would be her moment to show, look, I'm an independent actor, and she was yet another one who got steamrolled by him. Is Savannah Guthrie going to be different? I, I don't. I don't. N- nothing in her history suggests to me that she will. You know, here's the thing is that one, this is one of the reasons why um, public television is incredibly important and why we should go back to that place, because these media entities, they don't care. Right. Like to your point, they care about ratings. They care about money. They care about their sponsors and their ad sales. That's what matters. It does the integrity of an election or, you know, who's being honest or journalistic, you know, integrity, all of those things. None of that matters. What matters is a dollar bill. And until capitalism is actually taken out right of our uh, of our electoral politics, we'll always be in this place. These debates shouldn't even be on these channels. They should should be on PBS, right? They should just be on C-SPAN and everybody else then have to carry it after they, you know, after it is run so that all of the American people, regardless of their fucking Comcast or their Cox or their Verizon Fios or whatever package it is that they have can be able to see and hear from the people that they are electing to the highest office in the land. Like this is a, this is the problem. It, it isn't just about like PACs and all of these things. It's about everybody Everybody 
who is wealthy, the wealthy 1% being in cahoots to make more money at the, at the expense of the people. And that's what that looks like. And so of course he's going to go to NBC. Where the fuck was his show, right? His show was on NBC. I'm sure he still has like frozen contract at NBC, right? Oh, as soon as I leave the white house, let me go and do reality TV show about my time in the white house. Like it's all like, it's all part of the same fucking mechanism and and circus. And until people understand, like, we're going to keep asking the same questions. Like, oh, what about Savannah Guthrie? That she shouldn't be asking fucking questions. No, how, right? Like I'm actually tired. This is, what is this? Like the second white woman, the third white person to be moderating, to be moderating this. And again, we're talking about the changing demographics of America. Like you can't find a person of color. You can't find a team of people of color in order, in order to do the moderate here, but again, both campaigns have to agree, and we, they, the Republicans, believe that anybody that is a person of color is automatically biased. So we can only have white people that are going to be doing this anyway. Kristen Welker is slash was supposed to moderate the third debate, and isn't that and- funny that oh she well. Let's see if after these bullshit town halls, uh, if Donald Trump decides because his poll numbers still remain in a tailspin that he actually wants to come back. And if Biden would even because if I were Biden, just like I was like, no, I would have said no to the second debate. Like, unless this is going to be virtual, this man does not follow covid rules. You guys allowed him to work with the honor system in the first debate to say that he got his covid test. A man that lies, literally, for a living. He lies. And you took his word for it. So, you know, if I were Biden, I would have been like, yeah, no to the second debate. And all of this can be virtual. But this whole, you know, I wish that the networks were better. I wish that they would have come to an agreement that said, you know what? None of us will take it because we fucked up 2016. So let us, you know, do something right. But that's, but that's, it'll never be that. It'll never be that. Never do that. They would never do that. And you're right, there should be something higher than the campaigns themselves negotiating, here's who I'll accept. There should be a body that sits above this, a sort of C-SPAN, a PBS, that is not ideological, that is not partisan, that is saying, here is the journalist who will ask the questions that the American people need. And not sort of this ridiculous theater where the campaigns come together to decide what we will show the American people. Because there are actual questions that we need answered. And the debates are a fairly poor way of showing what these candidates are like and what they're all about. It is theater that is quite often judged on things like tone and how nervous you appear and how wrong you appear and basically matched up against an ideal of of alpha masculinity so if we were ever to finally get another female nominee it's like well how does she even rate within this because all the metrics are based on the theatrical presentation of alpha masculinity which she's like i i don't even care to compete in that game i'm doing something entirely different 
Um, you know, I wonder because like, I, I don't, I don't have kids, but I wonder, I'm assuming that they still have like debate teams in high schools. And I just want to know, like, what are their rules? Right. Because it has to be about something more than just like the presentation. And I wonder if initially, you know, we actually had proper debates, um, maybe when they were on radio, right? And you couldn't, you, you, you weren't, you were just listening to the words and it wasn't really about like the physical presentation of that person, taller, you know, stalking the stage, like doing all of these things. I don't know if there's a way to do that in this day and age. Like, do we do a podcast debate? Like, I don't, I don't know if there is actual exchange of ideas. I don't think it's necessarily. I don't think it's necessarily re- removing the visual, but yes, in an era when we have so much access to the candidates, as opposed to the '30s or the '40s when they had fewer opportunities to, uh, or '50s to relate directly to us, um, it, it 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 becomes a sort of sideshow of theatrics, and you know the the to me the only debates that ever really matter and have a chance to pierce through to what we really need to see are when you have those debates where citizens stand up and ask questions. Now, that also gets into a sort of theatrics, but if the job is nothing, it's it's relating to citizens and what they say they need and what they say they want. And, you know, it's it's definitely instructive when you see like, are they speaking directly to the person? Are they remembering the person's name? Are they actually answering the person's question? Because mm-hmm. it's one thing to elide Susan Page's question or to go off of Chris Wallace's question. But when, you know, when Patty from Tucson says, hey, are you going to take away my pre-existing condition because I need this, because I have diabetes, blah, 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 blah. If you can't look her in the eye and say, Patty, I care about you and we're going to protect your health care or whatever, it is, then, you know, we're going to make sure your son in Afghanistan is taken care of. Like, if you can't do that, then what are we talking about? And, I, and we should have a series oh, of those. Cannot do, we should just have a we series, should have of, a those. series yes. of those. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The, the, the media elite asking questions of these candidates and playing the game of asking a question on an issue that we've heard them talk about as nauseam, allowing them to miss the question, skip the question, you know, yell, filibuster, what have you. And that like, that, that's a pointless, it's a pointless exercise. I want to hear John and Patty talk about what they need and let the candidates respond to that. And I hope we get that. I, that is usually the last debate. Yeah. Um, I, do, I do appreciate the potential of a town hall when it's let's have a conversation because nothing in the presidency is you have 30 seconds to explain your position on health care. You have 60 seconds to talk about, you know, the future of the country. Like the president is never asked to explain his position on a complex and important issue within a set amount of time. Like that is, has nothing to do with the actual job. No. And, so that constrains yeah. them to these teeny tiny bits of ADD spaces of time is kind of, so if we, so the town hall structure has a chance 
to give us the space that we need. Um, but God, not at the same fucking time. But here's the thing. Like, I think that one, we need to hear more from the American people, which we actually never do. We never hear. And I don't want to just hear from John and Patty. I want to hear from Laquan and Luis and like, and all, and all of these people. And I don't want to, and I don't want it jam packed into one hour. Like I don't want one hour with 16 of the most pressing issues that we need to discuss. I actually would have liked over a course of, you know, three and four days. We're doing one, you know, complete and total hour on healthcare. Why? Because that is the number one thing that bankrupts people in America. We're doing one entire hour on the response to a global health pandemic, right? We're doing one entire hour on, you know, what you're going to do about climate change that is burning down half of the country and the other half is underwater. Like that, when you talk about these time constraints, everything is made for a soundbite. It is made for television. It is made to be played and replayed and replayed, and it is. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Set up to have a series of you gotcha moments, right? But when you set these town halls, and even if you were to pick, you know, 10, 20 people, right? Of all different ideological stripes, some that have never voted young people. I would love a town hall of young kids that can't vote yet, right? That are 16 and 17 years old, whose lives we're, we're debating, right? Who won't get the opportunity to vote for themselves, but they are in fact the future of this country. I want to hear from them and what matters to them, right? And so if we were to give people the opportunity to speak their mind, and I don't want them to get the questions ahead of time. I don't want them to be prepped on it. These are issues. These are the major issues in this country, the major issues in the world. You should be fully prepped and ready to to look the American people, like you were saying, directly in the face and tell them what you would do, what you can't do, and what you are hopeful for for the future. And if you can't do that, you shouldn't be president. Part of that whole exercise is showing compassion and empathy for regular folks and showing that you understand the issues that impact their lives. That exercise would be a complete disaster for Donald Trump. <laughs> he would have, I mean, can you imagine him getting a question from a 16-year-old 
about climate, healthcare, whatever, race in America, and the, the, the train wreck, the bull in a china shop answer in terms of his relationship to the feelings that this, that this person is bringing up and asking him these important issues. I, I mean, he can only potentially survive with a media elite because that plays into his whole thing of the media elite are the problem. So I'm going to ignore him, interrupt him, disrespect him or her. Uh, that that works for him. But, you know, being disrespectful to the citizens like that will not be a good look. But what else could he do? He has no respect for anybody. For anybody. For anybody. I mean, look at look at the look at the ways like that we can play back Donald Trump's rallies going back to 2015 when he was mocking a disabled reporter, when he when when his people at the rally literally tried to beat up a a young man that uh, was in a wheelchair like that. He told you I would pay I would pay for your, you know, pay for your bail and all of these things. I want to see him look Patty in the face and be like, you know what? Your husband's probably not that happy with you. You're ugly. Next question. You know, like that's exactly what you would see from Donald Trump, but that is who he is. You know what we would get? We get like Tiffany Trump standing up and saying, hi, dad, can I call you sometime? (laughs) (laughs) Can I I, I have your number, please? Wait, why are they shuffling me away, dad? I just want to talk to you. Speaking of which, we also learned, uh, speaking of Trump's children, one, that, um, what is the one's name? Conrad, Barron, whatever his name is. Barron. Oh, oh, no, no. Bar- He's too young. Don't make fun Barron, of him. Barron. Um, I make fun of his parents. I don't care. Um, that Barron Trump did, in fact, test positive for the coronavirus. I just want to put that out there because I didn't think it was possible because I assumed he was never in a room with them. Right. Right, Like I assumed he was in the nanny wing with like his nanny someplace. So I guess he does come into contact with them and not and not just at a town hall. I I assume that he got it from mom. I think he's probably affectionate and close to her and like sees dad as little as possible. Are you Um, sure somebody that has had that much Botox can be affectionate? I wonder if it goes in to your nerve endings. I think she is, I think she is a horrible person who is complicit and part of all this, but I bet that she is actually kind of gentle to her child, to her one and only child. To her Uh, one, to her, to her one and only Wallet. You're right. You're right. You are probably, you are probably right. You are probably right. You know what? Anybody that says fuck Christmas and fuck children, I I'm not so sure she has the mother G. You know, she has a mother, she she has a she has a she has a motherfucker gene, but I'm not so sure that she may have the mother one. So um one last one last (laughs) pinata to whack before we go. Slightly off the menu, um, but Amy Cooper, we now know that the Amy Cooper, the one who called on the bird watcher Christian Cooper in Central Park and lied and said that she's being harassed by a black man. We now know that after that, Uh she called 911 Again. again to say that 
he had assaulted her. Yep. And it's so disgusting and pernicious that once again, the lies Mm-mm. of a white woman against Mm-mm. a black man, putting his life in danger, because all she has to do is just say it. He then would have to prove that it didn't happen. And it's if he wasn't only, dead first. Right. It's only blind luck that he was that he was using his phone to videotape that the police didn't swarm into the park, take him down, shoot him, attack him, arrest him, whatever, ruin his life. Um, I mean, like, and she knew mm-hmm. the power that she was using. And don't think for a second that there are not thousands and thousands of other white women who are actively, consciously aware of the power that they have to drop a dime, to date myself, to pick up the phone and call the police, their personal security force, when nothing is actually happening. That perpetuates white supremacy like a motherfucker. And their fucking lies and their fucking tears their Mm -hmm. bullshit crocodile tears have put more people in the ground in trouble in prison than we will ever know between now and emmett till and before god you know that's i mean that's it that's all that's all you have to know is that white men have lynched beaten um, falsely accused, falsely imprisoned black men and black people all in the protection in the name of their, their initial property, which is white women. Um, and white women have always operationalized and weaponized their femininity, uh, and their whiteness as a way in order to move through this world, move through society. Amy Cooper is, is, is a, wonderful uh, mirror into that reality of how they weaponize the Karens and the series of Karens that we have seen all summer, all year, you know, uh, now are caught on video with the hot shit that they've been doing, but they've been doing this. They've They've been, been they've been doing it. And the power that they have as white women, that they can pull out their whiteness card at any time and cry foul and men will come running to help them and save them in the total absence of any evidence and their lies and their bullshit tears have ruined many lives. Mm -hmm. And it's great that we as a society have this modern example to show like, look, this really happens all the time. And I don't care what Christian says. She should be in prison. Prison. For this. Prison. Right? It's attempted murder. That And that and that is what she should be tried for. It is attempted murder. Anytime a white person picks up the phone to call foul on a black person that is not doing anything wrong other than existing while black in the same space as them should be tried with attempted murder because they know exactly what they are doing. Amy Cooper has always known what she was doing, right? So let's not pretend. That's his presence. 
She left the moment of trauma and terror and walked away and made another call to say he, and let me up the ante, say he assaulted me. Yep. I'm I'm disgusted. I want to see her in bracelets. I want to see her in jumpsuit. I want to see her do time. That's what she deserves. Thank you for once again listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And we will be back next week if there is a country. Pray about it because there are just a handful of days until election, folks. Oh, my God. Please vote and vote early. Please. Please. 